Good morning, everyone. Note about our first reading from Maccabees. In their time, when Maccabees was written, uh, one of the understandings was that it was an eye for an eye. And of course, Jesus and will address that in, uh, in the gospel. But um, when we see uh, what the mother and her sons, um, in their mentality, they would have told their torturers, my God will take justice. He will strike against you. But they didn't. Their faith was so great, they said, God, do what you want, even kill us, but God will raise us from the dead, which was just one of those, you know, they, it wasn't one of those things they thought about back then. Uh, so it's amazing that their faith was such in God that they weren't worried about their body at that time because they knew God would bring them back from the dead. This is something as we see the Pharisee, the, uh, the Sadducees do not comprehend. And one of the reasons why is because they don't accept the book of Maccabees. But I'll get to that. The other piece, my friends, our Lord's main teaching in this gospel today is not about marriage, but about the fact that there is a resurrection and an afterlife. So my friends, what he does say about marriage is said in this context. It's true what he says, but um, he says it to illustrate his teaching about the resurrection of the dead and how things will be different. And uh, so, my friends, when we look at this, um, the Sadducees started this conversation uh, with Jesus. It was an argument. It was a conversation. But they did so sarcastically and jokingly about the resurrection. The Sadducees believed there was no such thing as the resurrection of the dead, firstly, because they did not explicitly find it in the Torah, the Pentateuch, uh, or the Law of Moses. They only accepted the first five books of what we know as the Old Testament. The Pharisees did not. They accepted more. So they rejected the book of any of the wisdom literature. They rejected the historical writings found in the Old Testament and they rejected the prophetic books. So one of them was Maccabees. That's why, even though we hear this resurrection idea, the Sadducees didn't believe in it because they didn't accept that book. The other reason is, because of this, the Sadducees could not imagine what this would be like. What would that be like if bodies come back from the dead? They wondered, almost jokingly and wisdomically, where will all these people be then? How will they eat? Who will feed them? And what about these complicated relationships uh, that we have in this world? And the, like the one they presented jokingly to Jesus, the woman who married seven brothers in succession, and each one died and she married the next one. Now, my friends, while this may sound appalling to us in their time, this was, comes from the book of Deuteronomy, Chapter 25, line 5, it's known as the Liberate Law. And Liberate comes from the word Levir, meaning brother-in-law. And uh, in order to keep the family name going, uh, the brother-in-laws had to marry the woman. Uh, so uh, while it sounds odd to us, it wasn't. But the way they're presenting it to Jesus, they're making fun of, they're not making fun of the law, they're making fun of uh, the resurrection. So they ask him, she married seven of them, all brothers, so whose wife will she be? 
what they were presenting, they were saying it's absurd to think of the resurrection of the body in heaven. And Jesus takes advantage of this situation. He takes their sarcastic question and gives them a very important teaching about our soul, about our life, about our future. First, it's about our soul. Jesus says that there is eternal life, and even Moses spoke about it. Uh, he's talking, he's referring to Exodus chapter 3, line 6. There, God describes himself as the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. He didn't say he was. He didn't say, I was the God of. He's saying, I am the God of. That means they're alive. They're very present. The law of Moses makes it so that they are very present, or the way Moses speaks and the way God speaks, uh, they're very much alive. So he's pointing out to the Sadducees, you've misinterpreted. It is a technical argument that the Sadducees would understand. Even though we don't quite understand what Jesus is doing, they would have. He shows them in the Scripture where they've misinterpreted so that it would help them to ascend to the idea of resurrection. Now, my friends, we can apply our Lord's point to ourselves also. Like those patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, we too were called into being by God. God called them into being and has kept them alive. What is true of them is true of us. God called us into being, and he has the ability to keep us alive. So, my friends, we are more than just our physical bodies. There is more to us than just a genetic code. There is more to us than our emotions, and there are more to us than just the achievements we may make in this world. We certainly are shaped by all these things, no doubt about that. But we are more than those things. What binds us together and makes it all one, if you will, is the part that does not deteriorate. The spiritual part, the center that we refer to as the soul. Take away the soul from the body, and it is just a corpse. However, put in the soul, and the body becomes a person. You and I have souls, each one of us. Everyone who was born and breathes has a soul. The second truth that the Lord teaches is about life here on earth. Jesus says, all our life for God, in this statement, is huge. Also, what I believe Jesus means is that nobody is an accident. However a person is conceived, and we hopefully always in deep love, but should someone be conceived in what we call unplanned or an accident? Or even worse, if someone were to say tragically, my parents didn't want me. God wanted you. And you're called into being by God through parents. We are alive for God, and we each have a place in God's plan. And this is great news, right? My friends, we are not here for a season, but we are here for a reason. So we all fit into God's plan. The third truth that Jesus puts forth is about destiny in union with God in everlasting life. The Lord says, the children of this age marry, but those in heaven do not. They become like angels. Psalm 8, 
There it says we are made a little less than the angels, meaning while we're on earth. Then when we die in our human body and move to heaven, Jesus has said, now they are like angels. When we die, we do not become angels. Angels are different from us, but we will share something with them. They do not die. They have eternal life. So Jesus says, you will have the same in the resurrection. You will have eternal life. And furthermore, Jesus says, it is a mystery to you. My friends, we, in this world, we can only try to uh, understand um, what heaven will be. There's always a danger in trying to be too detailed or explicit. The scriptures paint heaven and eternal life in broad strokes. Uh, there's a veil. We don't quite understand it completely. And um, we imagine heaven sometimes in ways that almost seem funny. Even Father Mark jokes about that. Uh, but sometimes we envision heaven to be in certain ways so that it might be boring to other people. A lot of times we think of heaven as populated by angels with harps and they're sitting on clouds eating, you remember the commercial? Bagels with cream cheese. <laughs> you remember Philadelphia cream cheese? Or they drink Red Bull. Remember that commercial? Yeah. People have all these sorts of uh, different pictures of what heaven is like. And when we do this, one person's picture of heaven could be another person's nightmare. Now, there's a story I'm going to share with you. A story has it of a man who died. And the priest tried to console the widow, his wife. And he told her, don't worry, I know your husband. I am sure he is in heaven. And he's surrounded by choirs of angels and hundreds and hundreds of saints. At that point, she became very upset and, was, and started crying hysterically. And he asked her, what is wrong and she said, oh, my mercy, my husband hated crowds. <laughs> you see <laughs> this idea? And my friends, the thing is, the scriptures, when Jesus speaks, he paints it. We can't get it in this. We just cannot fathom it. We, we, it won't, no matter what we do, we won't understand it. And that's what Jesus is trying to point out when he's speaking to them and uh, uh, to the Sadducees. And... Uh, Jesus teaches that eternal life, heaven, is not just an exaggerated version of life here on earth. As if heaven would have eternal family dramas, and heaven would have eternal traffic jams, and heaven will have endless irritating political campaigns and commercials. And equal to that, heaven would be filled with the eternity of infomercials about everything we don't need. Jesus teaches it will be an existence so transformed that we cannot understand it. Here on earth, we are limited and often frustrated by these things. But my friends, when the limitations of this life are removed and when we are finally cleansed and healed, then our soul will be filled with Christ's life. Then our souls will be filled with his peace that he promised. And he also promised a share in his glory. No more wanting anything, no more yearning for anything, no more searching for anything. We will be with God surrounded by such a great love and such a great light and such a great peace that even now 
it does not make sense to us. So this sarcastic question posed by the Sadducees triggered these important teachings for Jesus, not only for them, but for us, teaching us about the immortality of soul, our life's purpose and direction, and our eternity destiny with God. St. Paul said on this matter, I has not seen nor ear heard what God has ready for those who love him. But the opposite would be true also. Should we reject the Lord and separate ourselves from God, that too will become an eternity, one we do not want. The teachings to each of us then is to broaden our ideas about things, to open our hearts and our minds to God's grace and keep our hope so huge because the future is so great. And my friends, at human death, we do not cease to exist, but a transformation happens. There is so much more waiting for you and I. If we are faithful and live faith-filled lives, it will be ours, not just for a few years, but for all eternity. So my friends, this is the good news of the gospel. And I know, uh, my friends, as we get closer to Christ the King, the celebration of Christ the King in two weeks, uh, that ends this liturgical cycle. We're in cycle C. We'll move into cycle A. Uh, the, we have what we call end-time readings. And some people think that end-time readings are, their word, dark. But they're not. Remember, when the end time comes, that means Jesus comes and changes everything. So what I would present to you is, do you see the cup half empty? Or do you see the cup half full? And this is how we approach the end-time readings. So my friends, uh, it's what great joy. And I know sometimes some folks, you know, especially in our time, we're so focused on scientific evidence of everything and, and that, that this way of arguing of Jesus doesn't make sense to a lot of people today uh, be, because, it, it, well, okay, it said this, Moses did this. All right. So for us as Christians, I'll present you something else. You'll find it in the Acts of the Apostles. There we are told by the apostles, Jesus' friends, Jesus, the people who walked with him, they tell us, Jesus of Nazareth rose from the dead himself. And not only did the apostles see this and speak about it, but the three Marys, Mary the mother of Jesus, Mary and Magdalene, and what was the third Mary? Cleopas' wife who is cousins with Mary, she also. And then the accident, it doesn't end there. 500 more people saw Jesus walking around after they had killed him. So we have the testimony of all these people that said Jesus rose from the dead, and if he rose from the dead, he also, and that means if he did that, then everything he said is true, and his word said that you too will share in his resurrection if you remain true to him. So then, today then, and every day, let us give God thanks for the assurance of eternal life and ask him for the grace to live our lives then in gratitude and worthy of such a great calling. My friends, bow your heads for this benediction. May God who kindled in your hearts the hope of eternal life 
Guard this hope with his grace in all times, and through his Son, Jesus Christ, bring it to fulfillment in the kingdom of heaven. Amen. My friends, if Jesus did not rise from the dead, then our faith is fake. It means that we've been all bamboozled. But if he did, then everything he said was true. And he did rise from the dead. So everything he said is true. Now, my friends, every Sunday, except for during Lent, we recite the creed. In the creed, and we're going to do it in just one moment. In the creed, the very last line, you say, and remember, it's a profession of faith, I believe in the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. As Christians, you must believe this. Even more so, you have to live your life like you believe it now. Amen?